What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We are, as always, joined by our team of super producers and, most importantly, you. Scott, it's the it's our first nuts and bolts of 2017. Yeah, I wonder what that says, because we're only, what, two months into 2017. Yeah. And uh, we've already got enough kind of backlog of material that we just haven't been able to get to that we have to create a Nuts and Bolts episode. Or just, you know, additional stuff that uh, maybe yeah. doesn't make a full episode. Yeah, um, but it's still so interesting that we want you to know about it, and in some cases, we want to uh, maybe ask you questions about it. Yeah, we've got a couple surprises coming today, a, uh-huh. few, a few things that uh, we have talked about, a few things that we haven't talked about. Um, you've got, I know you've got one that's just, I know you've got a topic that's fascinating. That we, I can't wait. at the bit. I can't wait to get to this one, really, right. the, one, the one that you've brought in, especially the, the main focus, I suppose. But one thing that I want to start off with, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like I owe this to our listeners, All right. is that I need to uh, issue an apology. And uh, well, I feel like I haven't been responding to email the way that I probably should or have in the past because I, I tried to get to everybody in kind of a, a you know it might take a while, but I get to them. Yes. Here's the problem with what's happened recently: we have made a switch over to Gmail. Oh, and, oh, that's right. Okay, a lot of people are familiar with Gmail. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it's fine. I mean, if you've, you're accustomed to using that sort of thing, but I had been accustomed or grown accustomed over the past nine years of working with Outlook, and, uh, and they changed it on us. They changed it um, one weekend. I was leaving for the the, the next week, so uh, this is the odd thing. I I was leaving the office on Friday evening, knowing that I'm going on vacation for a week. Yeah, and so I set up my office reminder, and then I realized. Well, at 5 p.m., we're going off of this Outlook program and onto Gmail. So even my, you know, out of office reminders won't work. And when I come back, it's going to be a completely new system that I'm going to have to log into. It doesn't change our email address or anything like that, by the way. Mm-hmm. We're still carstuff at howstuffworks.com. Mm-hmm. So you can still reach us that way. The problem is, I just can't simply navigate around in there and find out what's going on because it's got all these settings and toggles set that I don't really quite understand yet. The training happened while I was gone. So, if I have ignored your email that you sent in, uh, you know, with, with, you know, future topic ideas or, or whatever, if it's just chit chat type stuff, in the last, I would say, 
two and a half months. Yeah. I'm doing my best to find that stuff, but it, it comes down to me having to search it by a keyword, and that's almost impossible, um, you know, not knowing what you've typed or what you've sent to me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of fighting against that a little bit every day. I'm, I'm gaining a little ground, but I just felt like I needed to say something because I feel like I'm letting our listeners down. I'm not responding to them. You know? <laughs> I, I try to. Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not laughing at you. Yeah. So there's a, <laughs> yes, I'm, you are. I know like, I'm laughing with myself about uh, something else. This is like a who moved my cheese moment for me because <laughs> uh, I, I should be able to adapt to this kind of thing, oh. but I just can't. I mean, I'm, I'm trying my best. And so hopefully I'll get this wrangled here pretty soon and get back in the rhythm of things. But uh, until then, please be patient with us. Maybe resend that email that you sent mm-hmm. uh, in, at the end of December or whenever it was. Uh, it, it couldn't hurt. It's been, a, it's been a crazy beginning of the year, in all honesty, because yeah. we've been on some adventures. You know, we, we've been traveling. We've also been uh, shooting things, I mean, by which I mean filming. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, very busy with that. Yeah, and uh, hopefully this will uh, this will come to bear, and we'll have some really cool stuff to show you. Uh, today we have some stuff that we found out about that just blew my mind. We we caught up with uh, we caught up with some uh, listeners out there who, as always, have wonderful suggestions, mm-hmm. very fascinating questions, yeah, and super cool pictures. Uh, and then we also found current events and things that have piqued our interest for one reason or another. One of the things that I saw popping up that that kind of disturbed me, Scott, have you heard of the situation with the Ford Kugas out in South Africa? Only what you've told me so far. All right. And it's very little. So uh, what we do know is that it's like a crossover vehicle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a Ford Kuga is billed by Ford as a dynamic SUV. It looks like one of those mini crossover vehicles, you know, like somewhere between a station wagon van and an SUV. So like a small SUV. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Gotcha. And uh, these these things have apparently been pulling uh, Galaxy Note 7. They have been spontaneously catching fire. <laughs> I like and, how you mix the two. And I wish I was joking. Uh, spontaneously catching fire. Well, what's yeah. the, do they know what the cause is of this? They think, okay, so bes- between December 2015, January 2017, over 50 of these vehicles have caught fire. And people in Ford did, like, Ford saw there was a problem. They recalled the vehicles, over 4,000 in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And... They trace the problem to the coolant system. So the people would have their coolant systems in their Kugas repaired, mm-hmm. go back out, and this stuff would still happen sometimes. No kidding. So what they're thinking is that the – what they're thinking is on Ford's side is that the coolant system is safe, but the problem is that people are using the wrong formula or brand of coolant. Now, who would ever guess that the wrong mixture or the wrong brand of coolant would cause an engine fire? I can understand causing problems. You know, it's not sure. enough protection, doesn't have the right lubrication, you know, et cetera. Or it causes uh, excessive scale buildup or, you know, whatever it is. But I just I, I'm, I just can't believe – I'm kind of unbelieving that, uh, that this would cause an engine fire. That's amazing. Yeah, that seems uh, – That's th- pretty extreme. Yeah. For I mean, sure, to say the least. I mean, I, so this is kind of early on in this because they they uh, the recall is fairly new. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the 4,500 vehicles or 5,000 or whatever the number was. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. If this grows to other uh, makes and models, mm-hmm. you know, in the Ford line, or if, uh, you know, maybe they determine that it is a, a Ford issue, you know, or it's not the, uh, you know, the owner's fault. Because this is where it's, it happens. It's like that the owners like to point the finger at the manufacturer. Right. The manufacturer says, no, no, we're doing everything right. It's you. And then, you know, later some stuff comes out in the wash and then you'll find out exactly what happened. Um, that happens regularly with these recalls. Yeah, it does. And so there's a, a little bit of a, of a deeper dive here. All right. People are saying this might be more about a refrigerant that's designed to replace something else called R134A. Mm-hmm. R134A uh, is going to be banned or already is banned in the EU. And German car manufacturers only recently switched from this substance in December 2012, Mercedes-Benz showed that the substance ignited when researchers sprayed it and AC compressor oil onto a car's hot engine. Oh, okay. So a uh, senior engineer ran the test, said, we were frozen in shock. I'm not going to deny it. We needed a day to comprehend what we just saw. Combustion occurred in more than two-thirds of simulated collisions. Now, R134A is a replacement of another material that was already banned for you know previously, the refrigerant. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but there was another one just prior to that that we can't buy here in the United States anymore, at least not legally. Yeah. Uh, there's there's restrictions on every can of the stuff that's out there now. Um, maybe that's not even the right way to say that. I don't know. It, it seems like some old-timers have some old cans of the old coolant, or refrigerant, rather, on their shelves. Um, that They let go at a premium. You know, it's, it's yeah. an expensive thing now. Uh, hard to find, but... Um, that's interesting that maybe they're not even searching in the right spot for this thing or they're not, you know, giving the right, uh, right credit, I guess, maybe, or, you know, saying that it's the wrong system that's causing these fires. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few months. Yeah. Because maybe that is it. Right. And hopefully this is a situation where someone finds the problem and then we can move past it immediately. Mm-hmm. So I uh, hope everyone is safe out there. Hope everybody's doing well. Car recalls are always very touchy and at times dangerous business. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ben, I got something uh, that I'd like to bring up, too. That yeah. This is one that I heard. This is a, an all-new one to me. Uh, this was in the news a couple of weeks ago, and I don't remember the, the – uh, you know, the context of where I heard this, but there was a term that was thrown out there called a Pittsburgh left. Have you ever heard of a Pittsburgh left? Is that a left hand, a left turn at a red light? It is, yeah. It's a left turn at a red light. But the Pittsburgh left is one where, you know, when you're when you're face to face with the the drivers in the opposite direction, uh huh. The drivers that are going forward, you know, going straight through that intersection, allow the driver that's turning left to go ahead of them, which is not really legal, or you know, it's, I, I guess you can do it, but uh, it's not it's not the the common way that traffic moves in that in that situation. It's yeah. a it's a uh, courtesy that's given by the driver at the very front of that line of red light traffic at the intersection to the guy turning left or a girl oh, turning okay. left. Okay, so it's just a common rule of thumb sort of practice. It is, but it has the name Pittsburgh Left. It's been associated with the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, and for some reason, I mean, it's just a common thing for them. You know, for these uh, these vehicles that are going, you know, one's going straight through the intersection, the other one's turning left. It's a common thing for them to do in that area. Uh, there's other versions of this. I think there, um, you know, there are things called like the Boston left or the Massachusetts left. You know, they, they've got different versions of, it, but it's common in that area. So I thought this was kind of strange. I've, I've seen this happen in my own neighborhood. We're, we're putting a, uh, a roundabout. Well, we're uh, the the city is putting a roundabout in the uh, intersection that's just outside of my neighborhood. 
Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be like a two-year construction project for this this roundabout. Uh, but we have these terrible intersections where you can't turn right on red. It's one lane of traffic. There's no there's no designated left-hand turn lanes at these intersections. So, you know, at, at rush hour times, traffic yeah. just comes to a standstill because if one person is turning left it, from any direction, it's it completely blocks the line of traffic going the other way. So the roundabout's necessary, or at least widening the road and making left yeah. turn lanes. But um, oftentimes... People that use that road regularly, like it's the it's the pass through route for, uh, you know the uh, the city's uh, lot where they hold the school buses. You know, uh-huh. like where there's uh, there's about four or five miles away from me is a uh, this giant it's an enormous lot that they keep probably I'm gonna guess like 600 school buses are there. It's a huge lot of school buses, and so those drivers use that road as kind of a pass through. You know, like a return to base road, and they're courteous enough that they will flash their lights and allow. People to turn left in front of them. They'll kind of back off on the gas and allow it to uh, allow it to happen, so that you know traffic can flow a little bit smoother. And that's the idea behind the Pittsburgh left. It's just I had never heard of that before. Yeah, and and, and this kind of led me to one other quick thing that I want to mention. What's that? In the same article where I was reading about this this left turn, there's something called the 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 Pittsburgh parking chair. Have you ever heard of the Pittsburgh parking chair? That I have not heard of. Okay. <laughs> well, this is kind of a. Uh, I guess a common practice in the northeastern United States and kind of like the Boston, Pittsburgh area, and really anywhere in the upper Midwest, Great Lakes region, if you want to say it that way. Uh-huh. This is where on a snowy day, uh, people will put folding chairs in parking spaces outside of their home in order to reserve that space all day while they're at work or running errands or whatever. Oh, I see. So it's an object. It could be an ironing board. It could be, um, you know, a, a clothes hamper. It could be anything. They place something, you know, usually it's two items in these in these spots. Now, if it's a, a parking space that you have to pull into, you know, like an angled parking space in a parking lot situation, uh-huh. they can just place one item in there, like maybe a traffic cone or something, uh, or again, a, a folding chair. But if it's a, a parallel parking situation, like on the street, they'll use two chairs to reserve just enough room for their vehicle, and that holds it for them all day. I guess this comes from as early as the 1950s. There's photographic evidence of this happening as early as the 1950s in these regions. Yeah. And the, the funny thing, the, the crazy thing is that everybody respects this. They don't move those items out of the way and just park. If they do, you know, the, the, I think there's... Well, there'll be a confrontation, really. That's all that really happens. But they respect that, you know, this is just something that happens in that area. And especially it happens during these um, uh, inclement weather days, you know, like when yeah. there's heavy snowfall, they're trying to protect it. Because what's happened is, you know, these neighborhoods were built with, uh, you know, some of them, some don't have any driveway, some do have right. a driveway. Yeah. But if you don't and you have to park on the street and that's your only parking. Mm-hmm. The number of cars, you know, because people now typically tend to have two vehicles per household or more. I think there's probably an average that I'm not citing correctly here. But the number of cars on these residential streets has outpaced the number of homes on the street. So everybody doesn't have the one car per one space thing that they used to have. There are more cars now. So you're you're finding that they have to park somewhere else, you know, like another block away or have, you know, a local parking uh, spot that they're paying for that they then have to make the hike to their house and on these bad weather days you know when it's an ice storm or whatever they don't want to do that so this this Pennsylvania parking or rather Pittsburgh parking chair idea has been something that's just kind of hung on and again people respect it would yeah. you, would you ever <laughs> would you ever stand for something like that happening here in Atlanta I don't know if it's possible I don't know either I think that pe- I don't think people would uh, would put up with it if it wasn't tradition if they hadn't you know grown up around this or yeah. know what that is. I wonder how people treat this when they move into that region. 
I think they probably learn pretty quickly. You think so? Yeah. Maybe I, after I'm, one incident? I'm sure it's very frowned upon to move that chair. <laughs> Imagine if you moved that chair. Let's say that you moved to uh, the Boston area from here, yeah. from Atlanta. Oh, what am I and doing there? And you, uh, you, you f- folded the chairs up and threw them on the lawn and, and parked your car there anyway. What do you think you would come back to the next time you return to your car? Probably an irate owner. You know, uh, a homeowner, I guess. You know, somebody, somebody might area. hit my car, try to get it towed. Maybe. Uh, I have this picture of me innocently folding up someone's crappy old lawn chair, and I don't know any better. And then, like, this old man hobbling out from behind a corner. He's like, you've made a wicked, powerful enemy, you know? <laughs> I love the accent. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, townspeople with pitchforks and... And uh, maybe guns? It's I possible. Know. I mean, it seems like it. Oh, it, no, 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 no. Pitchforks and torches and folding chairs. Oh, yeah. And folding <laughs> chairs and ironing boards are shaking at you. <laughs> but but it seems like the, the very least you would uh, receive would be like a, a terse note on your windshield. You know, like, uh, you know, you're not you're not respecting the uh, the tradition, I guess. Uh, you know, or or a bat through your windshield. <laughs> yeah, that could happen too. I mean, there could be uh, the violent sort that would would resort to something like that. But, anyways, I thought that was interesting. That you know, there's the the Pittsburgh left that I heard about this week, and then the Pittsburgh chair. Yeah, uh, I wonder what other little regional things that people have that, that that could be named to or attributed to a city right. in that way. Well, there, I, I'm sure different cities have their own versions of uh, their of different strange things that are typically illegal, but everybody agrees to do it. Yeah. And I'm, so practice becomes the law. I guess one thing I want to mention, though, is I'm yeah. not talking about things like like the way that it's structured. So, like, I know there's a Michigan left, and that's a certain way that the streets are built. Right. And there's a – I think there's something called a, maybe a New York jug handle or something like that, an intersection. <laughs> but it, it handles it so that no traffic really turns left at the light. It All traffic makes – their turns from a right-hand exit and mm-hmm. then turn left or right. Um, but it's called this jug handle. And you'll see examples of that if you look at you know an, an intersection from above. Hand, uh, above. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense when you look at it. You'll see it visually looks like a jug handle. But I'm not talking about structure that's, that's incorporated in a city. I'm talking about things that have just kind of happened in their tradition now. And people in that area know it, but then outsiders don't know to – uh, to expect that, so they may, you know, they may anger other drivers by right. doing something wrong, incorrectly. Well, then it could go. We can even take it a step further. Let's just make some up and see if they become a thing. <laughs> like if I said, "Oh, have you ever heard of the Amarillo U-turn?" You would be like, "Go on." <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we had some uh, some some crazy, uh, yeah, just some some crazy driving. Um, I, I don't know if you can call it patterns or behavior, behaviors. I guess behaviors maybe, would be a better that word. we attribute to a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might that might actually work out. I mean, like if we called it, it might uh, catch on. Uh, yeah, and and it, 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 we would have to eventually accept whatever people came to call. Like if we just made the phrase Atlanta parking spot, and then all of a sudden we got these pictures of you know very dumb a very dumb specific type of fender bender. You know, I don't want our city to be known for that. No, no, you could be. But what if it's something cool? Like it's like, the, <laughs> like, the, like. Oh, that's the Dallas Drift. <laughs> the Dallas Drift. That's yeah. a good one. I mean, something like you know, all you have to do is make it uh, alliterative in some way, and people I think would buy into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta access highway is too clunky. Maybe Atlanta is not the 
it's not the right city for a name like this. Maybe not. We'll have to work on Atlanta, well, but uh, and that's easy enough for us to do, right? We can right. figure something out. But uh, it seems like if you have an, an again, like something that sounds like a headline almost, like an, yeah. a very alliterative, something that uh, that um, you know is catchy, something that maybe rhymes even. That'd be even better. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I think something like yeah. that could uh, could gain legs. You know, it could get somebody to believe that that's from that region and that it's uh, somehow tied into the history of that area. And you need to have that. And now I'm wondering what an Amarillo U-turn is. <laughs> Because uh, you know, How about so, a Utah U-turn? A Utah U-turn. You're a genius. Mm, it's easy. That's it's, great. It's, it's simple. All you have to do is come up with the action and then figure out a state or a city that matches, right, with the with the, the same yeah. starting letter. That's uh, all. You've got a gift for this. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's another thing I wanted to explore before we move on, and it's going to sound kind of weird. What are the moral implications of holding up a crowd for a left-hand turn? I've thought about this when I was stuck for 25 minutes on a on a road that that runs nearby. Uh, it's uh, DeKalb Road, mm-hmm. and DeKalb Road has a suicide lane in the middle of it. Yeah. So we've already got the problematic thing where people get to a light and treat it as a turn lane. Yeah. There are two choke points at this uh, in this street uh two choke points where there are traffic lights without turn signals Mm -hmm. depending on the time of day two lanes will be going you know east and one west or it'll reverse when it's one lane headed into town headed west into town it is completely routine for it to take you 25 minutes or more to go from that first choke point light to the next one, not even, not, not even a mile. Because it's one lane, and there's one joker up front who has to turn left, and he's blocking everybody. There's several people who would do that. Yeah. Now, this has what I used to live in a place where, well, where that would be my fastest commute. I always feel sorry for those folks who were, you know, I was heading east out of the city. I always yeah. felt sorry for the folks who were heading in because this line of cars, this conga line of cars, mm-hmm. just continues to the horizon and. I started thinking when I found myself in that situation and I remember seeing how busy it was and I said, you know, I'm not going to make a left because I can go up here where traffic's clear. I can turn in somewhere else and turn around real quick and then come from the other direction. Yeah. And you're being courteous. And if everybody did that, if at least more people did that, the traffic would improve immensely. Sure. And so. Well, that's the theory behind the Pittsburgh left. Yeah. They're allowing you to do that. I mean, yeah. but, but at the intersection. So maybe Atlanta needs to learn a little bit from the Pittsburgh. Maybe, and you know, I say uh, some joker up at the front. I mean, that person has to turn left, and they don't know that they can go, you know, another one hundred yards, right. do a U turn, and then come back, and and everything will move smoothly that way. And you remember that shipping uh, the story about uh, UPS that surfaced years and years ago? Uh, how, in an effort to improve efficiency, they made all their directions use only right-hand turns. Hmm. I think that was largely a myth. And if it wasn't a myth, it's not true today. Yeah. But left-hand turns in traffic, when I was really steamed, I had a lot of road rage. I was thinking, I was thinking you know what this, to use your phrase, because we're a family show, you know what this joker up here has just done? <laughs> this guy, this frigging guy has just said that he is more important than 50 people behind him. And I was like, I see a cop car. 
I see an ambulance. Mm-hmm. We are all here. The pantheon, the UN of like cars that need to go places. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't counting myself. Oh. And it wasn't a Honda Odyssey. I feel like I need to make that clear. Uh, the the car that was taking a left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had Georgia plates. You're that, kind of, you're kind of sweating a little bit. Are you all right? I'm getting I'm getting heated, man. Yeah, you're a little red faced because they're saying like that's that's the implication. The implication is that sorry, <laughs> the implication I saw at the time <laughs> was that they were you know wasting fifty people's time. Yeah, uh, rather than take a different turn. Well. But with that being said, it is completely true that I do not know that person. I never saw them again. They may be on very, very important business. And also, ultimately, at the end of the day or at the end of the drive, that's not their fault. Like the left being a pain in the keister is a fault of the system, as you said. Yeah. And we can't City planning. We can't hold people responsible for following the rules of something. You know, you can't get mad at somebody for doing what they're supposed to do no of course not but you can be disappointed <laughs> that's right you know let's just wrap this up with just say by saying uh hell is other people <laughs> how about that all right okay. there you go yeah I, i'm enjoying your rant though i like it is it a rant really a bit a little oh, bit right. i mean only because of the uh the bulging vein in your forehead and the uh and the arm shaking that you're doing that's, that's I might the, need to take a walk, man. That's the uh, visual part that we're missing here on this <laughs> on this audio podcast. But how about this? Let's uh, move on to something that maybe, uh, oh, let's see, a little bit less uh, less stressful. Yeah, maybe. talk me down from All the right, ledge well, here, Scott. I've got a couple of things. i got three or four more things I want to talk about here. But yeah. um, let's talk about the Elio, uh, Elio Motors thing. Oh, and I yeah. only want to touch on this because I feel like this may warrant a third episode on, on car stuff. Yeah. Um, here's what's going on now. Rudy Smith wrote in. A lot of people say they'll say, "Oh my gosh, Rudy Smith." He gets mentioned in every podcast, but Rudy Smith writes in a lot with a lot of really interesting topics and, and material, and sends us links to a lot of uh, a lot of newsy things that yeah. uh, you know we, quite frankly, hadn't heard of because it happened that very day or the day before. He's he's on top of things. We're so, going to have to promote this guy to consult a uh, correspondent <laughs> at some point. I think so. Someone <laughs> said that in an email. They said, you know, you need to give him a mention uh, in the credits on everything you do because he's uh, he seems to be a part of all that. But it's because he's he's prolific. He sends yeah, in a yeah, lot yeah. of stuff, and we and we appreciate him for it. So he wrote in about Elio Motors because I had no idea that that a deadline had come and passed mm-hmm. for Elio Motors. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've had two episodes on Elio Motors, and we're cautious. But hopeful about you. We're hopeful. Okay. Hopeful is a great word. Well, maybe you won't be after this uh, know, this little update, and it's know, it's happening. So here's what's going on. Rudy wrote in and said that Q4 2016 came and went, and as far as I can tell, they did not sell the promised 100 pre-production vehicles. So they promised 100 sold by Q4 in 2016. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think I remembered that. All right, so 2017 is here, and we are led to expect full production of Elio trikes this year. My big question is this. What will be the next excuse? And <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, but this is yeah. written in, Jan- in early January of 2017, January 6th. And then the news came out just recently. I just looked this up. Um, in Jan- well, actually, you know what? He sent me another link. Um, in Jan- on January 19th of 2017, so just uh, 13 days later, damning report suggests you'll never commute in Elio Motors three-wheeler. That's the headline. And here's the uh, the report says that the company has delayed production of a three wheel three wheeler several times and is reportedly burning cash at an, at an alarming rate. Right. So a um, an SEC filing 
reveals that Elio Motors has just, and get this number, they have just $101,317 in cash as of September 30th, 2016. Did, did you hear that number? That's a that's an extreme, extremely low number. We're talking about a company that needs hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. to start production. The amount of cash they have right now on hand as of September 30th, 2016, is just $101,317. That's the whole company. They that's all they a, have. They need a hero, man. Uh, as, they, as they put it here, for a, like a big existing car company, one of the big you know auto yeah. manufacturers, that's like the amount of a, a rounding error. You know, like it's like a, the the amount that uh, they would just kind of look over as like, oh, we made a mistake. You know, yeah. very, very tiny amount. Um, maybe even worse yet is that the same document declares that recurring net losses caused an accumulated accumulated deficit of over $123 million. So the company comes out and explains like what what's going on here. So they did they did comment on this at yeah. the at the time. They said if we're unable to continue to obtain financing to meet our working capital requirements, we may have to curtail our business sharply or cease operations altogether. So they're starting to say it now. They're starting to say we've only got a couple of options here, and one of those might be completely ceasing operations. So I don't know. They, now this is the company. Remember, they promised to bring something like fifteen hundred jobs to to that area, the Shreveport, Louisiana area. Uh-huh. Um, so far, the factory has remained idle throughout, and they haven't you know they haven't brought a single job to that area yet. So they're they're just completely falling down on the promises, but they're still taking orders for this car, the sixty eight hundred dollar car. Some of them are refundable, some of them are not refundable. Mm-hmm. These uh, these um, you know reservations, I guess, for a car. Mm-hmm. So even though I I, st- I still kind of want to believe in this thing, but man, it's still it's just not looking good. Every time we hear a report from them, it it gets worse and worse. Right, and it may sound harsh to some of our listeners for. Rudy to say, what's the next excuse going to be? But he's being fair. Yeah, you he's, know? he's being more than fair because uh, Cedric Glover, who is the former mayor of Shreveport, says that the res- reservation holders, those who have put money down on this thing, have lost their money for good. I mean, th- he said he doesn't have any faith in them at all. He thinks that it's just not going to happen. And, of course, you know, at the time of the writing of this, they wanted to get an, a comment from Elio Motors. They couldn't be reached for comment. That's which the way this ended. Which is a shame because this looks like it'd be so much fun to drive. It does. And honestly, I don't know what the problem is with this. This is, this is one that was built with a lot of existing components. There were, yeah. there were pieces there that yep. really were coming, they're coming from suppliers. It was going to be a, it was going to be an assembled car to some extent. It, an all new body, of course. Sure. But in, to some extent, in, an assembled car. Yeah. What is the problem? And, are you going to get your money back? Guys, Scott is heavy into Elio, right? You've, you've put thousands of bin bucks in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I haven't, I, to be honest, I haven't invested a dime in Elio Motors, but, either. but I think if there was one on the lot, I might give it a second look as a commuter car. It's an interesting vehicle. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see them on the road. It's, it's, it's fascinating. I don't know if I would trust it with, you know, like my, my kid or something. Right. Early on, I'd like to see some of the numbers to, you know, uh, isn't that the thing too? Isn't that the three wheel vehicles don't necessarily have to adhere to the same standards as the four wheel vehicles do? Yes. Okay, so maybe not then. Maybe it's more like motorcycle standards. Well, for maybe for me then, from a commuter car, I might trust it. But uh, anyways, we're getting off track. I I just don't know if it's going to happen or not. I don't know if I would. I I don't know if I would trust it on a highway. Would you here. trust? Would you trust it enough to write a thousand dollar check right now to say I want one of the first production vehicles? 
No, man. Okay. Well, that, that's your answer then. You don't, <laughs> so you don't you don't believe oh, either. Right. I'm I'm in the same boat, and I wonder yeah. how many of our listeners. I know that some there's got to be some of our listeners out there that have invested in this. Yeah. I, I hope that for their sake, they were they are one of the refundable reservations. Well, and I hope you know I hope maybe against hope that uh, this does somehow turn around mm-hmm. and that these vehicles come out because I am I am all for new disruptive car companies because I think it's ultimately better for everyone. And I don't just mean like better for car buyers or people renting cars. I think it's better for the large car companies too. It's there's some like new new blood in the veins. There's a there's a new player in in the game and it yeah. makes it more interesting and people tend to uh more innovative. You yeah, know what sure. I mean? Yeah, I, I like these disruptive companies as well. I think it's, uh, it's something that the market needs in order to stay fresh, right? I mean, it yeah. makes them stay competitive. It makes them want to continue to innovate. And uh, I don't know if the, if the next topics that I have really here have anything to do with innovation, but, uh, <laughs> but maybe we should wait just a moment and take a word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
And we are back. I don't know why I was German for a second, but <laughs> here we are. Here we uh, are. I'm, right. still, I'm still not German. Well, right. I've, got, I've got two things that I want to talk about here, and uh, that's really the, about the end of it for me for today. But all right, Ben, the last two things that I have are rally-related. Remember we went on the uh, Rally North America trip? What was it, the Ohio Valley 700? Uh-huh. Yes, Th- yeah. Did I get it right? Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it was a long time ago, doesn't it? There's so much that's it's, happened yeah. since then. It's uh, great. But we've had a few, we've had more than a few questions about this. And one question, uh, that has come up many times from many listeners, a lot of different people, is about the decals on my car. Um, you know, the yeah. whole process, like the, a lot of questions like, did it destroy the finish on your car? Did it peel up any paint? Did, uh, how hard were they to take Ooh. off? Because, uh, you know, they're rock solid on there when you're, when you're using it. You can drive through car washes with them and they won't come off. Um, but it was really a simple process. I used a lot of Gorilla Glue uh, on the back, and uh, I'm still looking for a way to, you know, the, the solvent for that. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do any of that. You, but, um, you measured carefully. I did, yeah. And that's proceeded a, very slowly. That's the thing. You know, the kit comes from the, uh, the, the, uh, the rally organizers from Rally North America, and they send you kind of like the basic kit with their sponsors yeah. and the numbers that you request and all that, the rally uh, logos, et cetera. And then you're allowed to add your own stuff to it, you know, as long mm-hmm. as it uh, is appropriate, I guess, right? So right. for us, we added uh, How Stuff Works logos and, mm-hmm. and Car Stuff logos mm-hmm. to the car. And so we measured and got everything cut at a local sign shop and applied them. And I had some experience putting these on cars be- beforehand, so that wasn't difficult. But you can look online and find out, you know, a variety, a couple of different ways, really, to put them on. Either dry or wet. I put right. them on wet with the spray and the squeegee and all that. Mm-hmm. Worked out real well. Everything was perfect. Looked really good. It looked, it, it because I spent so much time measuring, I think it turned out all right. I mean, oh, are you kidding? It was great. You guys have seen the photos of it. Yeah. So they know, they know what we're talking about. But I think it, it turned out pretty well. And, and honestly, every car in the rally had, had done a, an excellent job with their, their decals. They have experience as well. They've done it many times on the rally circuit. So, the question was, when it came time to remove them, how do you do it? And it's really, really easy. All you do is take either a hairdryer or a heat gun yeah. very carefully, very uh-huh. slowly. I, I shouldn't say slowly. Very quickly, you heat up the, the, uh, the decal so that the, um, the adhesion material on the backing, the glue, softens up a bit. And then you have to take – and this is important that you do this. It's a plastic – uh, a plastic razor blade. You can buy plastic razor blades at the at the Ooh. hardware store. If you haven't ever seen them, you can buy them by you know, packs of ten or whatever. But that won't scratch the paint. And so you use these plastic razor blades to kind of work an edge a little bit. And then once you get an edge, you can just peel it back. And it's it's simple as as anything really. And then you use just a simple uh, you know solution to remove any remaining adhesive material that's there. And if you do this fast enough, if you don't leave them on for a period of you know a year or longer. Um, you know, going through car washes and other abrasive things so that, you know, the material behind it is, um, it shows the same amount of scratches, I guess, as, you know, the rest of your car, if that makes any sense. It's not protected for too long. Right. Uh, you wouldn't get that ghosting material then. So, uh, not ghosting material, ghosting look, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. like you could see where there was a number 333 on right. the side of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, faint impression. Yeah, yeah. None of that was really a factor in this case because, you know, ahead of time you had polished the car a couple of times, you know, to get a good smooth surface mm-hmm. for it to easily come off of. It was, it really it was a whole, the whole thing was painless from start to finish. It was really, really very easy, but that's because I did it quickly. I put them on and removed them relatively soon. If you had left them on for, you know, a year or more, I think you might have some, some of that problem with, you know, where it was covered, it would be, uh, you know, a shinier, smoother surface than where it came off of. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, where, where it was not protected. Right, right. Yeah, That's I see better. what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. I, I've got to ask now, after this experience, mm-hmm. would you uh, would you do this again with the just for the, the 
decal process. Oh, the decal process? If I if I wanted to, say, throw a racing stripe on my car? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe for a short time, but I, I again, the, you know, the whole thing that I just mentioned with yeah. the changing the appearance of the car after you take it off if you wait too long. Right. That would be the downside. If, you, if I intended to leave it on for a long, long time, first of all, I would have uh, bought the – uh, more expensive vinyl material, which is yeah. uh, it stands up for more years. This was rated at like I think the, even the cheap stuff was two years. Yeah. Do what would you? And then at what point would you decide? Hey, I should just uh, you know, I should just paint get this painted. Oh well, I, yeah, I guess there's there's that too. For well, I mean for a stripe, you know, since it's just a solid color. If I if I had a car that I mostly kept garaged, let's say it was a little sports car. Let's say right. I had another. Triumph or an MG or something like okay. that. And I want to put a racing stripe on it. MG, okay. Something I, that I don't drive very often. It's, you know, protected from the sun. I don't, I don't clean it all that often because it doesn't need to be cleaned. You know, maybe occasional soft cloth on it, you know, yeah. once a week or once a month. Uh, I would have no problem putting this on at all. You know, it'd be something that I would do for sure. Um, painting, I mean, that's of course more permanent and you can be a little bit, uh, more aggressive with the cleaning then at that point. And it's not going to ever come off. So you're not going to have that situation. So, uh, that's something different, I guess. It's more expensive to do it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot more expensive. So something that's quick and easy. And uh, um, I would recommend if if you kind of on the fence about wanting to try this, just go ahead and do it. I mean, if if you don't like the results, peel it off and try again. It's not. It's it's really not that expensive anymore. It's it's kind of a cheap thing to do. So are you going to get that uh, gigantic picture of it, like the one where it's your face and you you put it over the uh, rear? Uh, windshield. Well, of course I'm going to do that, uh, but I may, I may get uh, you know something uh, not not quite as because you know I might have an artist paint that on the windshield actually. You know, yeah, that's classy. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Keep it classy. Yeah, airbrush or something. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. But but let's say that you let's just say that for whatever reason you're going to attend uh-huh. a car show somewhere. Yeah. And you want to stand out and you want to put a big VW logo on the hood of your right. uh, Volkswagen Golf or whatever. Right, right, right. Do that for uh, you know a couple of weeks or maybe a month. It's not that expensive, and you can easily remove it, and there's no harm done as long as you do it the the correct way. And there's, again, so many YouTube videos about how to apply and remove that stuff that Mm -hmm. it's a simple matter. It really is. So I encourage anybody to just kind of play around and have some fun with it because you can can make your car look dramatically different overnight if you wanted to. It's it's a fun process, really. Oh, oh, something completely different. Uh, A Michigan merge lane. (laughs) <laughs> Going back to the, uh, I've been the, trying yeah, the entire time. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's okay. It's not. It's no Utah U-turn because that's. <laughs> I think that's like. So you get the painted airbrush picture on the rear view, and then you get the you get the message at the back that just says Utah U-turn. Hey, you know one we we're talking about recently on the on the uh, the video shoot that we were doing was yeah. uh, the California roll. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did I say that right? California roll. I think that is. That's a sushi yeah. thing, right? Yeah. But it's also. Kind of like rolling through a stop sign so slowly without slow coming to down a, through a stop sign. Yeah, so that's yeah, another that's one, a right? good one. That's that's a real one. People really real say that. Yeah, it's like a Pittsburgh parking chair. Is it? But the question is: Is it legal? Is it something that's uh, you know? Is it the California roll? Is that? Uh, no, man, it's I, a stop sign. Not, I guess. not a roll slowly past it, me sign. It's one of those things. Where I don't live in California. I don't know if that's like. Something oh yeah, that they, if they, it's specific to California. Yeah, if they allow it, or do they say? Um, I don't know. Is it just kind of a a, a colloquial? Colloquial term, yeah, Boy, right? that's tough to say. Colloquial term, yeah, it's not rural juror, but it's pretty tough. Boy, <laughs> oh well. Anyways, okay, 
Should I come up with my? How about this? Yes. I know you've got a kind of an interesting, a big one for the end. But here's another rally-related thing that uh, that came up while we were talking on our on our uh, what twenty-two and a half hour drive. <laughs> uh, so so we stretched a we stretched an eight-hour drive to twenty-two and a half hours on the way oh, up there. Man. And we, you talk about a lot of things when you've got a lot of time, right? Yeah. We talked about briefly, and I, I had mentioned this um, to you guys, and you you kind of were. I don't know if you believe me or not. So. <laughs> Here's proof. Okay. All right. So I, I had mentioned that I had heard of a guy that um, had unintentionally got an antenna stuck up his nose and punctured his brain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, the way that I remembered hearing this was on a Detroit area morning talk show, and they'd interviewed this guy back when this had, when this happened, right after it had happened. And it would have, been, would have been the late 80s. And if anybody's from that area, it was the Drew and Mike show. Everybody's got, you know, every city's got their own morning show that, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the guys that have been there for 10 or 15 years. And, you know, they got the comedy routines. They don't really play music. They just do bits and things like that, right? So Ooh. that's what these guys were, the morning funny guys. They were good and uh, no longer around there anymore. But anyways, they had interviewed this guy in, I think, just after this had happened. But this was 1995. And it was in Portland, Oregon. So here's the story. A man who bumped into the tip of his car's antenna drove the metal rod up his nose and into his brain. Holy crap. Here's the quote. It's the weirdest thing you've ever heard of, said Troy Harding, who managed to pull himself free from the antenna. Harding, 19 at the time, told doctors he was turning away from his car when about three and a half inches of the antenna on his 1984 Fiero poked into his nose. The antenna pierced his sinus, entered his brain, and hit his pituitary gland. He lost about a pint of blood when this happened, Ben. A pint, a pint. of blood out of his nose. Can you imagine that? That's a that's a huge amount of blood to come out. That's terrifying. All right, so it says, now at the time this was written, this is June 8th of 1995, it says, he has been in the hospital since the May 29th accident and will have to stay in until he can stand, perhaps another week. For now, he said, standing gives him a headache. Can you believe this story? That's crazy. Punctured his brain with his Fiero antenna. Now, this got me thinking, like, what other weird, again, it's kind of like another request for submissions here. Yeah. What other really weird car injuries have you heard of or seen or been part of? Like, has that happened to you? And I don't mean, like, you know, I burned myself on my exhaust manifold or, you know, something, the car fell on me or whatever. You know, nothing like that. That's This, right. this, is, this is way out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Way out of the ordinary. So... Anything kind of in this in this ballpark or in this wheelhouse of, of you know this type of injury, does anybody out there have any crazy stories like this? Because puncturing your brain with your car antenna that's that's remarkable. And again, the guy couldn't even stand afterwards, but somehow managed to free himself from it. It's like I don't know. It's almost you can't really liken it to the guy who cut his own arm off. Remember the one that was trapped <laughs> with the boulder, but. I feel it's more like a reaction, just like he had to get off of that thing. Yeah, like you know, when someone get, if someone gets poked with something, you're supposed to leave the object that's you know like stabbing you in, right? And then go to the hospital, right? Instinct is to pull that thing out, whatever it is, a, a knife, yeah. a stick, or whatever it is. Or like if you get if you get crushed, um, if a if a person is crushed outside of a, by a collision with a car, mm-hmm. or they're pinned. You know, the instinct is to. For that, both that person pinned and the people around them is to move them off of it, yeah. even though they might bleed out yeah, because of that. Where in some cases it would be better to leave them in position until the uh, the you know the, the medics get there. Um, it, it's just it's a really weird story, and we had talked about it on that rally, and I felt that I needed to bring in some kind of proof and and also just kind of throw it back out there again so that people are yeah, thinking about this. Good question. 
we don't even really have big metal antennas like that anymore. No. You, know, you was, are vindicated, my friend. Well, the Fiero, of course, it's a low car. It's a yes. metal antenna sticking up out of the front right fender, I think. Uh, it's a weird thing to think of happening, but, man, strange, just a strange accident. Weird occurrence. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of weird occurrences, uh, we are unfortunately drawing to a close. Longtime listeners, you know that Nuts and Bolts always uh, ends with Scott and I uh, still uh, still surrounded by stacks of, of papers and documents, stuff we <laughs> want to follow up on. And this will be no different. This tradition continues. But we have time for one more story. Something that uh, many people have never heard of, myself included, you know. Same here. And not saying we're the, we're the brightest crayons in the box, but we do definitely uh, try to read about all the interesting stuff we can find. And we ran across something called La Mancha Negra. Ah, intriguing. So, Ben, you showed me this on uh, – we were on the remote shoot, video shoot, and uh, you showed me this on your cell phone. And I only had a chance to read about one paragraph of this uh, uh-huh. about what this is. But please fill us in because this is, uh, this is a mystery. Yeah. Travel with us, if you will, to Caracas, Venezuela. 
1986 on a, on a road in the city, uh, a smudge appears. It's about 50, year, uh, 50 yards long, and it's, uh, it's seen by these workers who are patching asphalt on this highway between Caracas and the airport. Uh, the asphalt itself was 30 years old. People really didn't pay attention to it at first. They're like, ah, you know, stuff gets on roads. That's how roads work. Sure. Uh, but Someone spilled something. Right. Yeah. But it began to spread. A hundred meters, a mile, eventually eight miles of highway were covered with this unknown material and that rea- was weather reactive. So this is something that's coming through the surface of yeah. the road. And it grows when conditions are hot and wet and it shrinks when they're cold and dry. It seems to prefer tunnels. And... Uh, La Mancha Negra is uh, Spanish for the black stain, okay. which already sounds like a 70s horror movie, right? It does. And what they found was that the texture of this was kind of gummy, sticky, but it is extraordinarily dangerous. Vehicles were crashing into each other, running off the road. Uh, in 1991, the president and some experts like put their heads together to figure out what was causing this and they didn't know uh so before uh, as of like 1992 there were 1800 people who had died uh with Wait. the with the with on the road with their deaths attributed to la mancha 1800 people yep in this one region this one zone between caracas and the airport so yeah so the uh here's here's the thing it's expanding too so in uh, the early to mid-90s, the Venezuelan government is asking other foreign powers for help. Have you seen anything like this in your roadways? What is this thing, a, a fungus? Is it just uh, some sort of weird oil leak? Okay, stop here for just one second, if you don't mind. Yeah. This is really bizarre. So the the leaders of this, of this region are saying to other other regions, are, they're asking, like, have you ever witnessed anything like this? So it's almost like, you know, all these, all the movies where we have, uh, we have visitors. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the, uh, the heads of nations contact each other and say, like, uh, you're not going to believe what's happening over here. Anything like this going on over in Japan? Anything right. like this happening in the, uh, right. in the former Soviet Union? Uh-huh. And where, <laughs> what's going on? So it sounds like that's what they're doing. They're saying, like, what's happening is something bubbling to the surface of the earth that we've never seen before we can't even identify this stuff and you know maybe the other countries are just saying well uh our maybe the other countries are just like no our our main problem in russia they're like our main problem is still bears but good luck <laughs> uh, so so yeah i mean we're we're joking a little bit but this is a serious and it's a real thing yeah so they try different things to get rid of this. So they try to wash it away. They say, okay, maybe it's a paste of oil and dust. Yeah. Um, and then they were hoping that when the rains came, it would wash this stuff away. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pressure... Um, pressure washers? Yeah, power pressure wash- washers. The power, power washers. Yeah. Didn't work. Hmm. They tried scrubbing it away with detergents. They scraped away the top layer of the road, resurfaced it, and then this stuff came back. Finally, they poured tons of limestone on it. And this seemed to work. It didn't seem to eat up past, ooze past the limestone, mm-hmm. but they had to put so much down that people complained they couldn't breathe because of the dust. So they're rebuilding the road, but it's still, every time it just keeps coming back. Yeah. Weird. And 
they uh, they try to rub some dirt on there. I've heard that as like, yeah, just rub some dirt on that. <laughs> Get up, you're fine. Walk it off. <laughs> right, right. Uh, which is why you have that uh, enormous black stain slowly growing <laughs> on your neck. Just right? spit on it. It's fine. <laughs> um, so this is the thing. Uh, they tried different things, and they didn't work. 1996, uh, the stuff reappears, and people thought it was going to be dealt with in 96 because they got some highly specialized cleaning equipment from Germany. However, in 2001... It reappeared on multiple avenues. They think uh, it has the consistency of chewed bubble gum, but it's apparently slick as ice, according to drivers who yeah, are on it. Yeah, I was wondering that because you said it was dangerous and there's all these deaths attributed to it, but it sounds like you said earlier on it was a sticky material. I was thinking that would be better for tire adhesion, but it yeah. gets it gets slick at times too. So it's changing it's, properties. I guess more a bit. gummy. Yeah, yeah, but then that would still be. Gummy still kind of has that connotation that there would be some, there would be more traction. Sure. Uh, so wow. So here's what Weird. they were. Here's what they were thinking. It could be several things. One theory is that it was substandard asphalt, so that there's flawed asphalt and it's leaking oil whenever the temperatures rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, the Ministry of Transport there said that the composition of the asphalt uh, didn't have anything to do with the formation of this different substance. Others think it was maybe just a bunch of leaky, poorly maintained cars mm-hmm. spraying fluids all over the roadway. That's not coming from the road. But that would have to be so much oil, and that would visibly be oil and contaminants. Well, and not only that, they clean it up and it reappears the exact same mixture because yeah. it would have to be a uh, very precise mixture that would happen every single time the exact same way. And this, uh, yeah, and then the professor, uh, one of the professors, Gianetto, who was at the Ministry of Transport, uh, thinks that it was a combination of oil released from cars and then dust on the roads and it formed this paste. And then there's another theory that it might be because it likes tunnels and it likes these uphill slopes. Mm-hmm. Some people think that raw sewage from the nearby slums is running downhill under the asphalt and that causes a chemical reaction breaking down the roads. Oh, that's awful. So it is because uh, some of the engineers hired by the government, at least one of them famously said, not only are we going to remove the La Mancha Negra, but we're also going to remove the residents near the highway because they're part of the problem creating the leaks in the road. Wow. But... I don't have I don't have um, a recent update, and I'm still I'm still searching for stuff. But it, it seems like as of now, so far as we know, because uh, Venezuela has some other problems taking their attention at the time. Yeah, I think they got some other things that they're occupied with right now, right? Uh, other than road maintenance, we're yeah. investigating this mystery. But we had never heard of it, and we wanted to know if you heard of La Mancha Negra, yeah, the black have, stain. Do you have any experience with it? Have you ever driven yeah. on driven in this road, this particular road, this highway between between Caracas and the airport yeah, uh-huh. uh, that has this extremely slick material? And if there are I wonder if there are signs warning you of of this. If you know, it's uh, at this point, I'm sure. Yeah, there have to be because I mean, if it's causing th- literally thousands of deaths. Uh, there have to be some type of warnings for this thing, uh, especially if you're going to be driving that road in inclement weather. You know, if it's uh, if it's 
added to by you know the slickness of rain. Uh, yeah. What does that do to it? I mean, or uh, just anything. I mean, intense heat. I wonder if that makes it even slicker. It's just it's a strange thing. It's a strange. Uh, can you call it a phenomenon? I guess <laughs> maybe an occurrence. Yeah. I don't know. What, what would, yeah. I mean, it's just I a mystery. It's a phenomenon. I like mysteries, though. Mystery. Yeah, I, I like mysteries like this. I mean, when they're they'll find a scientific reason behind it, but I like mysteries like this. And we want to solve these mysteries whenever possible. So write in. Let us know your best guess. Scott, it looks like we're at that time again. We're headed out, but we still have so much listener mail. And uh, some that I've never even read yet. Some that you haven't read yet. Yeah, remember the <laughs> – they're in the uh, – I don't know. They're in the uh, the dark corners of my Gmail somewhere. <laughs> the dark corners. I'll, I'll find them. I'll find them. And while Scott goes out on the hunt for email and while I go out on the hunt for further asphalt-related mysteries, uh, you can get a closer look at some of our online nuts and bolts, the stuff that may not make it to air for one reason or another, by checking out our Facebook and our Twitter, where we are CarStuffHSW, as well as every audio podcast we've ever done on our website, CarStuffShow.com, and... If you want to take a page from your fellow listener's book, but you're not too much of a Facebook person, you're not too much of a uh, Twitter person, what do we say? If that stuff doesn't burn your rope. Oh, yeah. Which is a callback to an earlier episode that I guess just sounds strange if you haven't heard that episode. (laughs) Anyway, whatever your favorite turn of phrase is, uh, we have an email address and you can write to us directly with suggestions for upcoming topics, feedback on anything in the show, and I am hoping for a few good theories on La Mancha Negra. How about my, not my bag of carrots? Not my bag of carrots. That's something that you said many, many years ago. <laughs> I, I found it on a, a transcription of one of our episodes. Why did I have a bag of carrots? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't remember, but you said it's not my bag of carrots, and I like that one. I, okay. Well, if, if Facebook and Twitter are not your bag of carrots... And I apologize to everyone for that one. <laughs> That's a good one. You can write to us directly. We are car stuff at howstuffworks.com. <laughs> For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. 
As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.